as a pastor, there are some topics that you have to preach into at least once a year. And one of those topics is prayer. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. In 1952, Albert Einstein was asked, what is left in the world for original research? And he replied, find out about prayer. A few years ago, a medical team of doctors and scientists from Indiana University decided that they would go to Mozambique to check out the claims of Heidi Baker. Now, Heidi Baker was a missionary who was saying that she's going into villages and she's praying for the deaf. And these deaf people are getting their hearing back. She's praying for the blind and people are able to see again. And so they went into these villages and they found that prayer brought highly significant improvements to hearing impaired participants and significant changes to the visually impaired. 14 hard of hearing and 11 visually impaired study participants were surveyed. They were tested with an audiometer or vision charts before and after a prayer session. The study found that there was a highly significant improvement in the hearing in 18 ears and 11 of the people and significant visual improvement. Professor Candy Brown said, I consider this very much the first step and an indication of the direction for where research needs to head. Much more needs to be found out about why these effects are noticed and what are the mechanisms and the structural changes involved. Sidlow Baxter was an 85-year-old English preacher, and he said, I have pastored only three churches in more than 60 years of ministry. We had revival in every one of those churches, and not one of them came as a result of my preaching. They came as a result of the membership entering into a covenant to pray until revival came. And it did come every time. Richard Halverson was a former chaplain of the U.S. Senate. And he advised that we really don't have any alternatives to prayer. He said, you can organize until you're exhausted. You can plan, program, and subsidize all your plans. But if you fail to pray, it is a waste of time. Prayer is not optional, it's mandatory. Not to pray is to disobey God. After extensive research in Baptist churches in the UK, Roy Pointer concluded that wherever there was positive growth, there was one recurring factor. They were all praying churches. The question is, would we be regarded as being a praying church. Deep down, we all recognize the importance of prayer. 
Yet often we save our prayers for a crisis. It's very easy to become busy, lacking in self-discipline, and even to turn away from reading God's word. There are so many other important priorities in our lives that not praying doesn't seem to bother many of us these days. At a pastor's conference, a pastor shared that he'd gone through theological college but had never been taught how to pray at college. In Philippians 3 verses 8 to 10, Paul said, I am pursuing my purpose that I might know him. Paul wanted to know God better. And to do that, he needed to talk to him. Paul's purpose came out of a desire to know God, to spend time in intimacy with him. As we get to know God, we discover the dreams and desires that God puts within us. In Psalm 88 verse 9, King David wrote, I call to you, O Lord, every day. Now last year I also preached on prayer and I shared on the importance of a daily prayer time. Today I want to look more closely at some of the practical ways that we can go about this. Now a lot of people link their prayer time with their Bible reading time. Some people read a chapter of the New Testament, a chapter of the Old Testament and a psalm every day. And then they journal one key idea that they come across in their reading and meditate upon that. Martin Luther was given another task and he was already a very busy man and his response was, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours of each day in prayer. He would read his Bible and he would ask himself three questions. His first question was, how does this reading show something about God that I can praise? You know, when we focus on the many blessings that God has poured into our lives, things like our family, our friends, our church family, our home, city, country, the fact that we have freedom of the individual, freedom of choice, then we are easily humbled and awed with what God, the God of the universe, is doing around us. The second thing that Martin Luther would focus on was, how does this show me something about myself? Is there something that I need to confess? The third thing, how does this show me something I need to ask God for? You know, asking in prayer is just talking to God and telling God about our needs and our desires. And fourthly, he would meditate until he had a warm sense of God's presence and reality. And so it's the same with us. We're to honor God for who he is. And we're to listen to what he may be saying to us. Now, those four steps, or he, there were three questions and one additional step that Martin Luther used, fit into the acronym PRAY. So the word PRAY, if we look at the first letter 
of each of these four words, that's a good template for our prayer time. We start off by praising the Lord, focusing on who he is, thanking him for what he's done. And then we repent of anything that may have distanced us from him. And then we go through that time of asking. And then we yield to him and meditate on what he is saying to us. Some people like to use a prayer journal. They like to list down the things that they're praying for and to pray systematically. The names of people and their needs. That means that we can be more focused and we can pray for more people and more things. And then we can tick things off when our prayers are answered. Have you ever told someone that you would pray for them and then forgotten about it? I have. And I've found that it's often good to say, can I pray for you right now? If someone's got a need and they say, can you pray for me? If I can pray for them right now, then that's a reminder. It's when you do something, it remains in your memory and you will continue to think about that need and pray into that situation. Most people don't have a prayer journal. They would like to, to think that they're spontaneous and they're open to what the Holy Spirit places on their heart. There are some people in this congregation who are intercessors. And you might wake up in the middle of the night with someone on your mind. And the Lord is probably telling you to pray into a particular situation. Are there particular needs in the lives of people that God has placed on your heart for you to pray for? We can have special categories on a prayer list. It might be our family, the needs of our family, for God's protection, safety, health, spiritual growth. In most families, financial needs are present, material needs, guidance concerning key purchases, areas of anxiety with finance, people we know that are struggling financially. Then there's the whole area of decision-making. We all need wisdom, don't we? We need spiritual vision. We may have a, a difficulty in our work situation. We have temptations that we're dealing with and trials. In Proverbs 3 verse 6 it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. All means every single detail. There's no aspect of our life that is hidden from God. And so our prayer lists can have all sorts of details. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Whatever you're going through in your life, that difficulty, that temptation, Jesus suffered from the same difficulty and temptation. He knows how you're feeling. You can pray to him and he will understand your situation. In Luke chapter 18 verses 1 to 8, 
Jesus told a story of a woman who was pestering a judge with a personal request. And at the end of that reading, Jesus concluded that we're to pray and not to give up, to cry out to God day and night. Eventually, that judge gave that lady what she wanted. Sometimes we're praying into a situation and we're wondering if God is hearing us. But God says, keep asking until you get a no or you get a wait. But if you're not hearing wait or no, keep praying. And God hears those prayers and answers those prayers. And so that tells us that it's perfectly okay to repeat the same request in our prayers day after day. We're also encouraged in Scripture to pray for our political leaders. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So we can pray for our mayor, councillors, the government, the prime minister, presidents, people in public office, for world peace, alarming world trends, for revival in the church. And in Psalm 122 verse 6 it says, Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. And so pray for the leadership of Israel. Pray for the Palestinian leaders. Pray for people in the Middle East. The Middle East is always under the spotlight. There is always spiritual and physical warfare taking place somewhere in the, in, in the Middle East. So keep praying for that part of the world. There are many verses that speak into our lives that we need to remind ourselves of from time to time. And so it might pay to write out a key verse that you need to observe. For example, Luke 6 verse 37 says, Do not judge and you won't be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. You know, it's, we live in a very critical culture. And it's very easy to get caught into this judgmental, critical way of thinking and behaving. And so we need to focus on a verse like that. And we need to say, Lord, I don't want to be like that. It's wrong for me to be like that. And if I am like that, then I'll be criticized and I'll be judged. So Lord, I want to break that off. I don't want to be part of that sort of thing. Ephesians 5 verses 25 to 33 contains words on how we can all be a better husband or wife. And that's helpful to read those verses from time to time. Philippians 4 verses 4 to 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We need all the help we can get to remember to rejoice, to be gentle, and not to be anxious. 
John Wesley was another man of God who started his day by spending two hours seeking the Lord, praying and reading the word. We've got a missionary friend, Lorna Das, in Bangladesh, and she is interceding for that part of the city for four hours each day. There's been major unrest amongst the Muslim people. Prayer is not wasted time. Some people say, oh, how can she spend four hours in prayer? Shouldn't she be doing something more important? Well, it's the most important thing that she can do. A lot of couples join with their spouses for prayer at the beginning or the end of the day. And I've got to confess that we don't do that every day, Helen and I. We, when there's an urgent matter, uh, we will pray together about uh, something. But most days, she'll have her prayer time and I'll have my prayer time. But it's exponential. If two or three are agreeing in prayer... God promises that he's going to be there and those prayers are more powerful. Imagine if your doctor told you that you had a fatal heart condition and he gave you a pill which would keep you alive for years if you took that pill every night. But if you missed taking that pill just one night, you would die. If that was the case, you'd never miss You'd never say, I'm too tired to take my pill tonight, or um, I just don't feel like it. Spiritual disciplines are important, but at the same time, we don't need to be legalistic. God understands our situation, and if for some reason you miss your prayer time, it's not fatal. But if we viewed prayer in a more urgent way, we could make it a much greater priority in our lives. If we prayed together every night, spiritually we would be stronger. We can pray for a few minutes throughout the day. Whenever we're worried about something or God places something on our heart. Habits of our heart and our mind ensure that we don't grow cold or hardened in our attitude toward God. But we can pray at a time that suits us. Some of us are morning people. Others have trouble waking up in the mornings. Some come alive in the evenings. You can sit, you can kneel, you can lie down, you can run, you can walk. I walk to the office each morning down Rotokawa Street. And as you're coming down that street, you can see the church at the end of the street. And I use that as a time to pray through my appointments for the day and for what's happening in this church during the day. Just to look at the church, pray for God's blessing on the church. And um, after my health scare last year, uh, my family gave me a Fitbit that uh, monitors how my pulse rate and my sleeping hours and another thing that it does is that it encourages you to do two, at least 250 steps an hour. It says it's not good to sit at a computer all day, that you know, every hour you need to get up and just have a bit of a stretch. And so sometimes I'm in my office and I hear this vibration beep, beep on my watch and it says time to go for a walk. So sometimes I just come in here and I just walk round and round the church praying for this church, 
Praying that there will be a sense of God's presence in this place. That this church can be filled with the love of God. That God is going to do an exciting work in this place. The key to the growth in the early church is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 14. Where it says they were all joined together constantly in prayer. And then in Acts 2 verse 42... They devoted themselves to prayer. Colossians 4 verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. Are you devoted to prayer? R.A. Torrey was a man of prayer and wrote books on prayer. And he said, We live in a day characterized by the multiplication of man's machinery and the diminution of God's power. The great cry of our day is work, work, work. Organize, organize, organize. Tell us some new methods. Devise some new machinery. But the great need of our day is prayer. More prayer and better prayer. Today we have great technology and we can use that to communicate the gospel around the world. Yet so little seems to be happening spiritually in so many countries around the world. Could it be that we've learned to communicate with space stations and planets, but we've forgotten to communicate with the Lord of the universe? And so I'd like to encourage each of us to spend regular time in prayer each day. This could even be the time you spend driving your car into work, into town. Or when you're weeding the garden. Pray as much as you can, as often as you can, for as long as you can. Know that God enjoys that time that you spend with him. I'd like to mention one or two prayer needs in this church. Next Saturday, we are having an elders retreat. And our main focus is on our intergenerational policy. What can we do to make this church more attractive to young families, to children and youth? There's also a need for more people to be involved in our worship teams. I make a point of attending our Monday 7 o'clock prayer meeting when I can. And I'm there most weeks. It's held in the crash at 7 o'clock on a Monday night. I think that as a leader in this church, I need to lead by example in this area. And often when the wet, cold winter months come on us, the numbers of people that come to that prayer meeting declines. So there's room for more in the crash at 7 o'clock on a Monday night, come and join with us. I'd like to finish with a time of reflection. I just want you to uh, answer those questions on the screen in your own heart, and then I'll close in prayer. So you've got two minutes reflecting time, and then we'll close in prayer.
Lord, you know our hearts. You know the desires of our hearts. And Lord, we acknowledge that we need to pray more. Lord, we want to see the spiritual tide rise. Lord, I'm picturing a, um, an estuary where the tide's gone out and there's all those boats sitting in the sand. And it's almost impossible to move them. But then the tide comes in and they float. And we can push them. We can maneuver them. So Lord, we pray that the spiritual tide, the amount of prayer in this place will increase. Lord, we know that without prayer, we're doing it in our own strength. And we need you, Lord. Lord, we'd love to see revival in this church. We'd love to see a move of God in this town. And Lord, we know that it only comes through prayer. So may we this morning commit to spending more time with you, both individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, amen.